And turn with me in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We are still on our series about discipleship and what it looks like to be like Jesus, amen, and to walk in the way of Christ in every season of our lives. Uh, My hope and my prayer for you this year as a congregation, right, is that you 100% look more like, somebody say Jesus, by the end of the year. Your goal is to look more like Jesus in your heart in your spiritual walk, that you look more like God. Amen. Many years ago, uh, on this day, our church's future was forever changed when the Lord, uh, he shook us to our core when he called my father home. Today is the day that I remember the the history of our church from the context of God taking dad home, but also it being one of the hardest seasons of my life, but then simultaneously God putting me on the road to destiny. And I want to talk to you for a few moments today just on, as a disciple of Jesus, how do we handle disaster in our lives? As a follower of Christ, like how do you handle tough times? How do you handle hardships and tribulations? Because you might not know this, but Jesus being the perfect leader and the perfect Jesus that he is, he kind of let us know Besides having power, authority, giftedness, the Holy Spirit, and everything else, we would absolutely face trouble. He's so good that he said, hey, by the way, you're going to have a lot of pain in life. Nobody's excited about pain. I don't, I don't blame you. You're going to have a lot of trouble and a lot of issues in your life. You're going to have times and seasons where it is hard, but how do you as a disciple get through in the image of Jesus? Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm going through, I don't always, this might just be me, vulnerable moment here, I don't always act like Jesus. Apparently, you guys are just like me. But the goal as a disciple of Jesus should be that as we mature in Christ, no matter the circumstance, right, we turn to God. You know, I look back and I realize that if I hadn't gone through that tumultuous time in 2008, if I hadn't faced that disaster and personal devastation and loss, I would never have gotten on the road to being a pastor. This was not on my list of things to do. You guys hear me say that, and I mean that with all of my heart. Like, I knew God wanted to use me, but I never thought it would be as a pastor uh, in the inner city. I never thought God wanted to do that with me. But as I look back now, God has a way of taking disaster and, and trouble and putting us on the road to destiny that we wouldn't otherwise have gone on if it had not been for a tough time, if it had not been for some type of pain or catalyst in our lives. Now, Jesus makes us this promise, right, that we as disciples and followers of him, we're going to face trouble. Just John 16, 33, you, know it might, you might know it well where he says, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I, Jesus, have overcome the world. You're going to have trial. You're going to have tribulation. It's a guarantee that you're going to go through in Jesus. But the the promise, though, is that you will not be alone when you go through it. And that means for us as disciples that we should look like Jesus as we go through it. I want to talk to you for a a few moments on a simple topic entitled, How to Master Disaster as a a Disciple. How do I, as a follower of Jesus, I don't want to get, like, tripped up when trouble comes. I don't want to keep on falling short. When the things are hard, I want to be able to elevate my thinking, come on, elevate my heart, and look and act more like Jesus in the toughest times. Amen? So I'm reading from Acts chapter 8, verse 1, because there's a story in the Bible of a major disaster in the church and the response of the church thereafter. It says this, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a persecution against the church in Jerusalem, 
and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did, for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Come on, let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you so much for the time of worship that we just had to be able to bring you glory, to sing our songs to you, to be able to lift you up and to pour our love out and affections to you. You have saturated our hearts already with your presence in this room. Would you further it, Lord, by opening the soil of our hearts to be able to receive your word for, of encouragement for us today, your word for direction and your word for pushing us yeah, Jesus, into the right directions of thought, life, and health, life. God, that we just, we're pushed into this right direction of discipleship, Jesus. A spiritual, healthy life that no matter the circumstance, that we look more like your son. We pray this in your son's name, Jesus. Come on, the whole church says amen, amen. and amen. What, what do you do? What do you do, church, when your promise dies? Or what do you do? when someone full of promise passes away? What do you do when, when what you thought would be this amazing thing seems like it's absolutely dead? And, and, and when you think about what we just read in the scripture, that's kind of where many of the church is at. The Bible says that there was a man whose name was Stephen who was appointed as an elder in the church in Acts chapter 6. And the Bible says that Stephen was a man filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with wisdom. And he was elected and, and nominated as a leader in the church. And somewhere in chapter 7, Stephen begins to get himself into trouble. And he gets himself into so much trouble, he burns up a whole crowd of people. And they're so mad at him that the Bible says that he is stoned to death. And Philip is, uh, rather Stephen is the first martyr of the church who dies for his faith. And so the church is in an absolute just disastrous moment where they have been up until this point. It's all been signs, wonders, miracles, Holy Spirit. And now it's disaster and pain as Stephen is killed and then persecution comes on the church and they begin to scatter to Judea and to Samaria and to all the surrounding cities. And the Bible says that, that everyone left except the disciples, the original apostles, the twelve. The 11 plus the one they nominated, they stayed in Jerusalem while the rest of the church, thousands upon thousands, ran for their lives because they were afraid that they would die. Now, the good thing is that Jesus had already told them in Acts chapter 1 that you will be my witnesses to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world, but they had not yet done it. The other thing was that in their wrong thinking. They thought that Jesus would come back immediately. So they were extra generous with all they had. They gave everything and sold everything they had because they were just expecting, well, he's going to come real soon. And so the, the cool thing is that God takes our dumb thinking sometimes and he uses it for his glory because these people now have nothing holding them back. 
no attachment to any type of material things. So when persecution comes, they run for their lives and they're ready to go where God has called them to go in the first place because trouble has a way of making you do things that God always intended you to do, but that you were being spiritually lazy in. And so a tough time might come and you hadn't fasted or prayed in a long time, but because a tough time came, all of a sudden you found yourself fasting and praying. All of a sudden you got real deep and real spiritual. You know what I need to do? I think the Lord wants me to fast and pray. He told you that before the mess broke out. He told you that before the hard time. But because we didn't do that, we weren't spiritually ready. Somebody say ready. Ready. So the church is being persecuted. Now the whole campfire around the singing Kumbaya as an organization, that's all done. And people are getting killed and people are being jailed for their faith. And disaster breaks out. And the people are scattered, the Bible says, and the ones who are scattered, they begin to go to clear the word of God. And Philip, right, Philip begins to go to Samaria and preach the gospel. Now, could it really get any worse for an early spiritual movement? We think that disaster has a way of hindering God. But when we look at scripture, every time persecution or a hard time broke out in the church, the Bible says the church began to explode in growth. And so you got to realize that every time God allows for disaster, listen to me, church, come your way, it's a method of God to grow you in some area of your life. The methodology of God to grow us is rarely ever that God will grow us through good times. He usually grows you through dark times. He usually wants to use a, a, a real disastrous moment to bring out something in you that you never knew you had. It's when that fight or flight in the spirit comes up and you realize how much you can fight and you realize how much God has given you and you realize how strong you really were. It's when those tough times come. But enter Philip the evangelist. Philip is also one of the seven who was chosen in Acts chapter 6. And he goes to this this, this city of Samaria and he begins to preach the gospel. And I love it. Jesus is like a politician. God's like a politician in in this regard, that he will never let a good crisis go to waste. He lets every crisis be a place where you can exalt Jesus in your life and where you can push the gospel forward. And so Philip, losing everything, he's at a low point in his life. In that sense, he goes to another city and he just goes and tells them about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Listen, at the grave of every Stephen in the kingdom, there is a Philip getting ready to push forward the purposes of God. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter how bad it seems, how tough it seems. At the grave of every Stephen, when every promise dies, when every person filled with promise passes away, there is a person elsewhere where God's saying, push forward the kingdom, advance. It doesn't matter what it looks like in your life, how hard it may be. You got to say, this might be a moment where I advance the kingdom and not retract it. No matter how hard it may be. Acts 8 verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went to to the city of Samaria and began to proclaim them the Christ. I want to give you three simple keys on how to really overcome and master disaster. How How do I overcome this? And how do I manage the tough times of life as a follower of Jesus? Here's step number one. And it's real simple. Go with what you know. It's real simple. This is real prolific stuff. Just go with what you know. I think that in times of trouble, we're always looking for the next thing that God has said. And God's like, just do the last thing I said. Go with what you already know about God. Go with the truth of Jesus that you already have. Go with what the foundational truths are. There's so much strength in the foundational truths of the kingdom. 
When the pandemic hit last year, it wasn't like we needed to find something new to do. We had to get back to the basics of just the foundation of, of the gospel, y'all. Just get the foundational things. God is still faithful, right? God is still good. God has a plan. Philip went down into Samaria with what he knew. There is such a value when we as disciples go, like actively go to the lost with what we already know, no matter what we're going through. And we preach the simple gospel to people that Jesus died for their sins. It's about the simple gospel of the kingdom of God. Philip goes to Samaria with what he, somebody says, knows. In the middle of disaster, Philip doesn't try to find out what he doesn't know. He doesn't try to find out the, the, the deep things of God. He goes with the basic principles of Jesus has died for the sins of the world. Listen, listen, church. We are living in a generation of church, people who are ever growing but never going. Always growing in God, learning new, new, new things, but never doing anything with what you already have in God. You ain't preaching to nobody. You ain't reaching to nobody. You ain't winning nobody for the kingdom. You ain't like winning nobody's souls. You ain't got nobody in church with you. You ain't never talking to nobody about Jesus. You want to offend nobody. You are ever growing, but never going into the purposes that God has for you. You are talking about your job rather than reaching your job. You are ever growing. You know so much, but you don't do anything with what you know. And then in moments of disaster, you're just waiting for Jesus to come save you. In moments of disaster, you're just waiting for this moment where God's supposed to break through. And God's like, if you would open your mouth, I would break out for other people. In tough times, in seasons of trouble and trial, oftentimes we find ourselves in those places of calamity. And we're looking for the next thing, but God's like, do the last thing. Do the last thing I told you. We can't be a church that we just want to be equipped but we never want to be deployed. If we want to just God give, 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 but we never actually do anything with what, we cannot just be a church who comes here to have a good time and be in the presence and sing nice songs, but never do anything with it. Church, that's useless. That's pointless. For that matter, don't come. Save the seat for somebody who's going to come and be so rocked by God, they feel compelled to go reach others. They feel compelled to go love others and to live like Jesus and to act like Jesus, but not to live their best life and have good things for them, but never, ever step out for the gospel. We have to be a church who goes after people, even when things look, somebody say bad. Go with what you already know. Go with what you already have. Acts chapter 3 verse 1 is another example where a, a man who's lame from birth, he's crippled, and the Bible says he, he's standing at this gate, and Peter and John are walking by, and he says, you know, can you give me some money? And Peter and John say to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus and Nazareth, stand up and walk. And the man's completely radically healed. Church, I'm trying to tell you, you already have what you need. You already have everything that God wants to use for you in this moment. And in the middle of trouble and trial, we often are looking for some great breakout of God. And he's like, just do what I already gave you. Like Moses at the Red Sea. God, what do I do? And God's response was crazy. I gave you the rod. What? That's God's response. You got the rod. Gave you the magic stick. Just, just yeah, bro, just do it. We're waiting for God, and God's like, I'm waiting for you. It doesn't matter how bad it may look. In the midst of trouble, 
You got to get to this place in your life where you are able to actually use what God has placed in you when things get really bad. Because if you can't use what is in you when things are bad, what is in you is useless. But in the midst of trouble, come on, church, we take and we glorify God. In the hardest seasons of my life, I have to go forth with what I know about God. I have to go forth with, with what I already know and not try to get to that next thing. I, 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 I constantly have to push myself against a tendency, right, to try to look for that next thing when God is just saying, hey, it's the last thing I want you to do. And so when trouble breaks out, people are like, well, maybe we should this and maybe we should that. And I'm just like, God ain't told me nothing. And you may be this, you may be that, but God told me to leave this church. So in this season, we're going to do the last thing God told us to do and going to be faithful. Be faithful where we're at before we try to get to some deep spiritual place. Let's be faithful, right, in the kiddie pool before we get submerged. If we can't be faithful in that, how can we be faithful in the bigger thing? You with me? When trouble breaks out, just stick with what you know. Prayer, fasting, seeking the Lord, declaring the kingdom of God, right? Peter and John said, get up and walk. And this whole man's life has changed around. So Philip it goes down to the place that most people wouldn't go because Jews didn't go to Samaria because they were racially divided there. That They considered the Samaritans to be half-breeds because they were only half-Jewish. And so they had other religious beliefs. They had all types of issues with these people. But Philip goes to a place where nobody else would go, and he preaches Jesus Christ to them. I want to tell you that in tough seasons, just go with what you know. There's two things you got to know about this. Though. You have to go. You have to go do something for God, and you just speak what you know. Don't talk about what you don't know. Don't, don't try to be anything you're not. Just talk about what you know. You know what? I know what Jesus did for me. Your testimony is more powerful than you think. You don't have to tell them my stories. Tell them your stories. Don't tell them your friend's stories. Tell them what God did for you because when it's personal, it's powerful. Disaster doesn't need to make you question God or his faithfulness or his goodness. It can be a springboard to a move of God in your life. It could be a springboard to a, a, a God just breaking out through everything in your life and your faithfulness and your own obedience to him. Verse 5, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits, crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. I don't know about you, but in the tough seasons, in the trials, I have to lean on the basic principles. God's faithful, right? God's true. God is good. I go with what I know. But here's Philip in this disastrous time in the church's history where everything seems to be breaking apart. And Philip is like, I'm going to go to Samaria and I'm just going to preach the gospel. And he starts a fire in Samaria. And there's this small delineation in the scripture that I don't want to overcharacterize or mischaracterize in this. But listen to this small just difference in what Philip did. Now, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. A real subtle note here that others preached the word, but Philip preached Christ. Others preached the word. Philip preached Christ. There's nothing wrong with preaching the word. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's something special about preaching just Jesus Christ crucified. You might not know this. Paul had one message. And I know this because Paul said, I have one message. He said, he said I have one message. Christ crucified. 
Paul didn't sit there preaching about the bubbles of heaven, the presence of God, the glory cloud. He didn't preach about any of that. He wrote about those things. He never preached that. All he preached was Jesus Christ crucified. We are such a generation of Christians nowadays, especially the further we get from Christ, from, from the coming of Christ and the resurrection, all that kind of stuff. I feel like there's this people in the ministries and churches who feel like we got to preach so much extra stuff and fluff. Yo, let's get back to basics about the cross of Christ, the love of God, the forgiveness of sins. That transforms people's lives. When you have Jesus being lifted up, the glory, the presence, and everything else comes. We have to understand this as a, as a body that we can never get away from the central message of Jesus Christ. Everybody else is preaching everything else, but here comes Philip into Samaria, and he just preaches Christ Jesus crucified. Here's step number two of overcoming trouble in your life as a disciple and follower of Jesus. That It's real simple, right? Exalt Christ above the crisis. Exalt Christ, no matter what it looks like, but God is still good. You know what Jesus did in my life? God is still faithful. I know I'm in trouble right now, and you know that I'm going through some things, but God is still faithful. No matter what I'm looking like, and no matter what it looks like, God is still good. And we can exalt Christ above it. Many times that we do the opposite. If we're honest, maybe I'm not talking to some honest people here, but I'll be honest with you that when trouble comes in my humanity and frailty, in my finite mind, sometimes the first thing we do is ask God, like, yo, what's good? What's going on? What are you doing? I don't understand. And that might happen for a few moments, but then you get to a place of maturity in God. So you know what, God, even if I don't understand even if I don't see it to the end, even if this don't make sense to me right now, Lord, I just want to follow you. No matter what it feels like, no matter what it looks like, I got to exalt Jesus above everything else in my life so that I can be fully aware and lead others in the midst of my own pain. Listen, in the toughest seasons of my life, God has called me to lead people. In the toughest seasons of your life, you're still called to reach other people. You're still called to reach and to clear the kingdom. You're still called to reach and to lift up Jesus above all else. And when Philip does this, the Bible says revival breaks out. When Philip reaches others for Jesus. As a follower of Christ, as a disciple, if I'm going to grow in Christ to be like Christ, then when trouble comes, I only have to exalt the Father. That's the simple gospel to bring hope to the hopeless. Simple gospel. He didn't go down there. To, he, he actually went to people who had no Bibles and to people who knew not God. He didn't preach theology to them. He didn't preach mysticism to them. He just preached Jesus, the simple message of Christ crucified for the sins of the world. And all hell may be breaking loose in your life at, at some interval, but I want to challenge you that if you would begin to exemplify Christ for others, that it would do something radical in their life. There's no time as believers and followers of Jesus in the low moments, right, that we should be tripped up by sin, that we should be tripped up by all manner of things in our life during low moments. At some point, you have to get to a maturity level in your walk with God that trials doesn't mean temptations, that trials in your life don't mean you fall away from God for two months. Just let that linger for a second. That trial in your life doesn't mean that you stop praying because you just don't God now. 
that trouble in your life doesn't mean that I'm never going to fast again because I just, you know, last time I fasted, all hell break loose. <laughs> what do you think happens when you challenge your own spiritual growth? You've got to get to a place of maturity in your life where trouble doesn't trip you. Get to a place of maturity in your life. As a follower of Christ, that I can stand strong in the midst of all types of mess, all types of hardship, I can follow. Somebody say, Jesus. Did you know that preaching Christ is a magnet for miracles? And Philip goes down there, he begins to preach Jesus Christ, and, and the Bible says that, that people are radically being healed, and those who were demonized are now being cleansed, and, and they're being set free from their demonization. They're being set free and cleansed of these evil spirits. I want to challenge you that, that if you were in the midst of your own trouble, in the midst of your own trial, begin to exemplify Christ and exalt Christ above the crisis to others, and you go with what you already know. Most of you know the basics. You don't need to know everything. Just know the basics and be really good at that, right? That, that people's lives will be radically transformed by your testimony, by your walking after Jesus. Following God. So first, I, I got to go with what I know. I need to go, right? I need to reach people in times of trouble. I can't stop and say the world's stopping because I'm going through. Because if I stop because I'm going through, then that means that I'm the center of my own universe. But if I keep going for the glory of God, y'all, for the glory of God, if I keep going, there's a chance that God can use my own pain to bring purpose to others. I close with this thought, right? So here, here is this guy, Philip. And Philip is in like the worst place of his own personal life. Philip is in the worst place of his life. He's in the worst spot in the church's history, y'all, where the church is really just all, it's, it's messed up. It's jacked up. People are running for their lives. Nobody knows what's next. There's no like blueprint for persecution at this point because it's new to them. There was no online ministry. There's none of that. It was just like, what are we going to do? And here was Philip, and Philip goes, and I love what verse 8 says, right? So Philip's preaching. He's healing people. He's setting people free, right? And then verse 8 says this. I love this. So simple. So there was much joy in that city. I'm going to read it again. It was so short, right? So there was much joy in that city. Reminds me of Acts chapter 2 when Peter's preaching, and they say to him, what should we do? And he says, if you would repent... A time of refreshing will come. When someone gives your life to God, right, and they give their heart to Jesus, biblically speaking, there is a time of refreshing that comes. It's the honeymoon phase where things are so good because God is so faithful. But then the Bible talks about the trials that come thereafter and the tough times. But in this city, in the midst of Philip's own running for his life, he has started a move of God and a revival, right? And the Bible says that people are being healed. The lame man is leaping. Deaf ears are being opened. Blind eyes are being opened. The mute man is talking. Sick children are being healed. And people are overwhelmed at the goodness of Jesus in this city while Philip quite possibly might be in pain. There's just something to be said here, church, about you being able to minister to other people out of your own pain. Can you still love people, right, who 
have joy because of what you're telling them even while you are in pain. It's quite possible that God is calling many of us in the midst of our lowest moments to help others get to their highest place in God. Can you be okay with others experiencing joy while you are experiencing trial? And a mark of maturity is being able to to, to stand there while others are being blessed and be okay with it. Not to sit there back, well, where's mine, God? When's it coming for me? And Philip has, has literally running for his life. And according to the Gospels and according to the epistles, I don't believe that Philip ever goes back to Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, he goes to be a missionary and he settles off in a far, far away city. And I know this because he meets Paul on one of his journeys there. And Paul witnesses the daughters of Philip prophesying. And so Philip would go on to start a family somewhere else. He would go on this journey with God. But the journey started because he was scattered because disaster struck. But later on, many would be blessed because rather than stop and give up because life got tough, he would go on and declare the goodness of Jesus Christ. Here's point number three. It's real simple, church. Where there is much Jesus, there is much joy. If I'm going to overcome some real tough times, I got to go with what I know. Stop trying to find the next thing. Yo, the simple gospel to other people. Can I tell you, many times when a storm comes against your life, it's because Satan knows what God's about to do. And that sounds cliche, but read the biblical text. The abortionist went out when Moses was born. Read the biblical text. That all the Delilahs came when Samson got his anointing. Read the text. Read the text. Goliath didn't show up until David headed to the battlefield. Read the text. Read the Bible and realize that every time, right? What you got to understand is your giant reveals your anointing. Nobody knew that David was a giant slayer until he, this joker came up and David killed him. It's the trouble that reveals the anointing on your life. Philip wasn't an evangelist until he left and run for his life and started preaching in another city. Up before that, he was an elder in a church. But when persecution broke out, he became Philip the evangelist. It's the trouble that brings out the calling. It's the trial that brings out the very thing God wants you. So we're over here trying to get away from trial. And God's like, go through the fire. We're like, no, God. But Philip does it in the midst of all of his pain, church. And the Bible says that there was much joy in that city. I want to challenge you today that maybe you're not facing this today, right? A trouble or a trial. Maybe you're not having a hard time in life right now. Last year, we all had a hard time. But there will be a season. My father always said to me, either coming in, going through, or just got out of trouble. And more is always coming. It's on the way. It's life. But I want to handle it more like Jesus every time. It's possible that I can be able to bring more joy to others to bring in Jesus, even if in the moment I don't have the best circumstances in my life. That's a mark of a disciple. That in tough times, when you squeeze him, Jesus comes out. When the pressure comes on, Jesus is there. And that we say what Jesus wants. And listen, I told the first service, I'll tell you all too. 
when life hits me, I don't always act like Jesus. I think many of us don't. But the key is to every day be able to be more like Jesus. To say, I want every single day to live out my life more like Jesus. So there was much joy in that city. More Jesus, more joy. Notice the joy wasn't just in Philip. It was in the whole city. Man, it's no matter what you're going through. God got joy for your whole family. He has joy for your whole community, for the whole city, the state, the nation. God has joy. If people who are in the image of Jesus can get up and do the basics of the kingdom and declare Christ above the crisis, we as a body, as believers, can go forth and be who Jesus has called us to be. Come on, stand with me this early afternoon. I don't know about you, but I want to be able to bring the joy of Jesus to others. And maybe that might be them being set free from demonic spirits. Maybe that might be them being healed in their body. But I want to challenge you that God has that purpose and calling on you. It's not something for the pastor to do. It's for every single person in the body of Christ to play a role in. Amen? Let's take a moment and bow our heads. We're just grateful for your presence in this house today, God. Grateful above all for your son, Jesus, Father, for his sacrifice on Calvary. Yeah. For the joy he brings to my heart, even in the darkest of times. Father, if there be any among us who know not the Son, would you just shine your light on our hearts right now? If there be any watching online who don't know your Son, Jesus, would you just touch their hearts even right now that we would want to make a commitment to you, Jesus? We want to be more in your image every day, Jesus. Would you give us a burden, Lord, to share Jesus with other people? To overcome disaster in our life, Lord, as a true disciple. To speak your truth, to exalt your son. And to cause an infectious joy across others' lives, no matter what we're facing, God. We want more of you, Jesus. We want more, God. Saturate us with your joy, Jesus. Saturate us with your joy, Jesus. Speak your heart over every son and daughter in this room and online. No matter what we face, give us the grit and the spirit, God, to speak life everlasting to others. We pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Come on. And the church says amen. Amen. And amen. We love